You may have played poker, but playing poker in Texas is a different animal. This is the Texas Poker Podcast with Tyler and Clint. Hello, this is the Texas Poker Podcast. I'm Tyler. This is Clint. What's up, y'all? We are back with episode 101. Episode 101, one of my favorite places to play in Houston. So, what's new for us today, this week, uh, Tyler? So, something you and I were talking about earlier in the week is, um, I was telling you how this is the first time at High Stakes Poker, um, Poker Go, because that was one of my favorite shows back in the day. I used to watch season like one through five or whatever, and that's where I developed my poker strategy, playing all sorts of random things (laughs) (laughs) Um, before we started studying and everything. But what I was telling you was that I found interesting was this is the first season ever where I'm not watching the day it comes out. I'm actually like five episodes behind. And you and I were talking about some reasons why we kind of thought that would um, – why that is. Yeah. I, the Both the high stakes – well, basically all the poker shows that I've seen. And one of the annoying things is like – like even on the hustle live streams and all like like those, they'll introduce and basically the people announcing the show are just rooting for big pots all the time. Like the no gamble no future was the worst. I was watching that one on Poker Go, and they're like, "Well, he's folding like three six of hearts. I mean, to like a three bet. I mean, like, what are they doing?" And like. I like to see big pots. I think you like to see big pots, and I like everybody. But mostly when I'm watching these shows, for the the reason I want is I want to watch, see the best of the best play poker against each other. And if they're just, you know, gambling, that kind of stupid, it's one thing if it makes sense. Like Tom Dwan would gamble, but it was all good plays making sense and all that. But if it's just stupid gambling, nothing, uh, I don't know. I don't find it that interesting. Well, what I find, I mean, I'm sure from their point of view, right, from the broadcast point of view, if you have these crazy big pots, you don't need to, you don't need to have the players play as much, right? You have the highlights for the videos, right? Because what we watch is an edited version um, of the six or seven hour session. You want your clips to go viral, right, in today's day and age so that people will tune in and watch. That makes a lot of sense. But as someone who plays poker... It can be tough to watch some of those hands because, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of the times it's like businessmen versus businessmen for, you know, that crazy amounts of money, which is kind of fun to watch the first time. But it kind of loses kind of that spark whenever like you like you always say, we could just watch people flip a coin for a hundred thousand dollars if we wanted to. Yeah, it's just to me that is super interesting. And I think a lot of people feel the same way. Like, okay. I know Garrett Adelstein's now become kind of a controversial figure, but he was a big draw, and the big and the reason was he was playing really great poker. Like whatever you think about him sideways, I mean, I can probably make arguments for both ways for him, but he was a great poker player. And like when he was on there, you knew you were going to see some crazy stuff, like just some really big pots, but also well played. Which I think probably Mariano's probably the one. That and now when he's playing on a live stream, I'm like, okay, I really like seeing him in these pots. But yeah, it's a. Uh, I mean, it's just like you know, if you watch NBA, NFL, or you know, UFC, 
the reason you're doing is because you want to see the best of the best go against each other, not just, you know, the stupid stuff. And like you say, it's a lot of businessmen and in some of these videos that aren't even really poker players. Well, right. But I mean, I understand that, you know, you need the businessmen because you probably need at least, what do you think, three on a nine-handed table? Because you don't want to just see nine pros playing perfect GTO versus each other either, right? That's true. I mean, there is a certain point where I do, you do need, like, I don't mind if like two or three, even the high stakes poker back in the day, you would have that as well. And that's fine. But I just, for the most part, just rooting for people to make stupid plays like over and over again on the announcements. It just, I find it a little, it's not annoying, annoying, but it is a little annoying. Here's something that I found that kind of made me, I don't want to say stop watching, but watching less and less was the personalities a few years ago were just so huge in these shows. It seemed like every player that played like Mike, the mouth, even though, you know, like to watch him though, Phil Locke, all of them had, you know, Phil Hellmuth, such big personalities on high-stakes poker. Oh, yeah, and Daniel Negreanu. I mean, he was a kid poker. <laughs> right, but it seems like now, I don't want to say you get less of it, but it seems like you get less of it, right? Uh, Yeah, 100%. It seems like a, the people that play now in these videos, a lot of times, are just so boring. Uh, the, the one that I would say is by far the most interesting is definitely Eric Person. And I think that's... He's a huge draw if he's playing because of that reason. Is he, uh, for the most part, he'll usually play fairly sound poker. He gets out of the line enough to be interesting, but not stupid, and has a really big personality. But on the, uh, in general, one hundred percent, it's just not very, fun, just not very fun watches. Right, like you said. I mean, there is those select few, but just not. It doesn't quite have the same allure as it did a few years ago, but. I, we did find that kind of interesting. We were talking about that during the week because I thought just thought it was so weird that I started that season of high stakes poker and I was all excited and then I just slowly didn't watch. You know what I'd like to see them bring back is so back in the day you well like at Poker Go has the a lot of the Poker Go series from Aria, the High Roller, the WSOP, but mostly it's just the WSOP like the main event. I would love to see, like, a YouTube version. Like, you remember how, like, the World Poker Tour? And what was the other one? The the smaller one. The Heartland or something. It yeah. was at the Heartland Heart, Poker Tour. Heartland is one, for sure. Yeah, and they would they would video all these, like, kind of, like, the smaller events, like the $1,000, $1,500 buy-in. I think it'd be kind of, like, I've kind of gotten burnt out on the live streams. I would love to see something like that come back because there's multiple poker tours like that. But I don't know of anybody actually doing that now outside of Poker Go, and they're they're only doing it for select some. That's all like the high roller series. It seems like. Yeah, see, I'm the opposite. I'd still rather watch the cash game live stream, but just like you said, want to see the best of the best. Or it's hard to get that. I would say like maybe emotional investment with people who just don't talk that much. Yeah, well, for me, like. The cash games are cool. I do like those, and I switched to where I enjoy watching those. But there's something about watching, like, a final table where, you know, it's like someone's only put $1,000, and, like, first place is, like, a million-something, and ninth place is, like, 60000 It's like 50000 like Life-changing money, yeah. Yeah, so I always thought that. I would love to see that, where so much is on the line there. But you're right. I like. I do like the cash games, but I wish it was done a little bit differently. 
Yeah, well, I guess after that rant, how was poker this week? <laughs> uh, it started off good, so. Well, then you should have quit. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. I mean, if only I could, you know, know when it was going to go off the rails. Uh, so the session we have to cover is the last one we played together. Okay. Did you want to? Oh, you want me? I can start with my first. I mean, I basically um, had one hand that just basically defined the whole session. Because um, I had the, a, for, a few before where, like, I had pocket queens and the flop came ace high, and, you know, not much going with that. You know, things like that where you really have to see flops miss. And, I mean, it's, it's crazy how fast you can get whittled away at these one three games. Really does. I mean, it's it's amazing that you can really not be in any big hands, and like if you're buying in for just like a hundred, a uh, hundred and fifty big blinds, like basically all of a sudden half your stack's gone and nothing's happened. And so when it's a lot of multi-way pots, if you're raising or calling and then you're missing, not a lot to be done at that point. But that does happen in some of these lower state games. Yeah. Um, but the first big hand of no, or the hand defining. The session defining hand, jeez. Um, and let's see if you like this. I'm in the straddle. The whole table limps to me. I'm on the button straddle. I have ace ten suited. Sorry, sorry, queen ten suited. Queen ten suited, and the entire table limps to you. Okay, I know what I would do. Like, tell me what you would do. So I actually sized up here because the table is pretty deep. And I was like, well, I'm going to make it 36 here instead of my normal 30 just because there's so many limpers. I like this exactly what I was going to do here. Okay, perfect. I didn't think that was what you're going to do, actually. Um, but I get four callers. Well, that's problematic for a hand like this, but okay. So now we're seeing this five ways. The flop comes three of hearts, nine of spades, ten of spades. So ten high flop. Okay. It's a very good flop for you. Checked back to me. How much do, would you like a bet here? Or okay. would you, I'm obviously would like a bet here. So it was 35, and you said there were four callers? Um, yes. So we're just going to call it 105. So, ooh. I'm probably, what are we looking at? One, 35 times 5. I just all of a sudden, <laughs> 140. Okay, uh, 175. Uh, yeah. I'm probably going to bet. About probably about seven. Uh, I'll probably, you know what? I'm probably gonna size up a little bit here with so many out here. I mean, not a huge bet, but I think I'm gonna make it like a hundred. Oh boy! Well, I only made it fifty-five. I mean, which is my standard go-to, like a third pot size bet. Just the problem being is 10 high on a wet board with so many people. This is one of the times I'm going to exploitatively just branch out a little bit. Well, I get, I believe it was two callers. Okay, but this still wasn't Er, bad. No, four callers. It was four callers. God, you got four callers on this? Yeah, so it was a gigantic pot. Wait, okay, and you have queen, ten of diamonds. Like, what was the flop again? Three, nine, ten with a flush draw. Okay. Uh, three, nine, ten with a flush draw. Okay, this is problematic, but... Okay, so let's see what the turn is. 
So the turn is a queen giving me top two, and there's still just a single flush draw out there. Here's my thought. You can you can kind of it it, it uh, checks to me, but let me just kind of give you my thought here at least. Okay. So, um, it would have to be a gutter basically, or exactly eight uh jack for that to complete the straight. So I thought in my head that king that the queen is a great card for me. Because it seems unlikely, other than Jack Eight, it didn't really. It only completed gutters of King Jack. I agree. This is a pretty good card for you here. Uh, it doesn't complete any of the open ended, but Jack Eight, and the flush draw doesn't come in. And and you're ahead of some some hands that you were behind. Like uh, was it nine ten? Yeah, nine ten. So eight ten. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ace, 10, king, 10. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Uh, yeah, I agree with your analysis here. So it checks me. I bet 200. See, I remember seeing you make this bet in the, uh, at the table and thought it was weird. But, like, I didn't realize how big the pot was. Yeah, in hindsight, I think I even like even bigger bet. Maybe 250. But. Oh, God, it would have been huge. Because I had it at 170. And then we you just bet one. You bet 55 and got called. Four ways, you said? Yeah. God almighty. Uh, yeah, probably could. But, I mean, 200 is fine. But, yeah, you actually probably could bet more. Definitely well, more than that. For how deep I was, because at this point I'm not that deep anymore. Um, yeah. I was debating just shipping it. That was my thought. Is like, I mean, is does it make sense to bet anymore without just jamming at that point, too? Right. So, in hindsight, I think I like that a little bit better, actually. Now that I'm kind of calculate how big that pot was. But I bet 200. When you bet 200, how much did you have behind? Do you remember? Mm. Was it like maybe another 200 or something? Yeah, not enough to do this. Okay. I mean... I'm just curious. Okay, uh, but you bet 200. What uh, what like happened? I had a, so I had the amount that this should have been a jam in hindsight, I think. Maybe 300 more, but... Well, At it the does absolute become, most, but yeah, I, I don't know. That's a very like I definitely don't want to scare off everything that just has us that we uh, that we're crushing. Yeah, exactly. But on a, such a wet board, and still I mean, pretty draw heavy. Yeah, very, just still very draw heavy. Okay, uh, yeah, I agree here. Uh, so the first player calls for less, like one hundred eighty-five. Okay, everyone else folds. Um, I tell him I have two pair. He says, oh, man, Rivers and eight, and then he has a straight. No, uh, so yeah, he had Queen Jack for... Queen Jack, yep. Yeah. So he flopped open-ended, turned top pair, which, like you and I were talking about, is perfectly standard way to play it for the odds he was getting and the amount of money he had in the stack. I mean, it's exactly how you play it. Oh, yeah, I mean, that was kind of thing. Is He got super lucky, but I didn't think... I mean, I... Uh, if you flop open-ended with two overs, he's, you're calling every time. Well, especially with so much money in there. Yeah, and then you turn, you know, top pair with the open-ended. I mean, you're definitely not leaving at that point. So, I mean, and then once you jam, it's like, I mean, and I mean, especially it was only 100 into a gigantic pot, so. 185, but Oh, 185, still. that's right. Uh, so, it was, I mean, I thought it was, I mean, yeah, it was one of those. It just sucks to get that unlucky because, I mean. It, wor- it seemed to be working out great for you until then. Yeah, and that was, I mean, just a gigantic pot. And uh, 
ended up being down 666 at the end of that session. Mm, that was that was kind of a brutal session. Uh, this is a session that went fairly decent for me. Not a lot of times where I was really put to the test. I had pocket jacks, and it was limp to me. I raise, and then one of the limpers jams for 100. Now, when a limper does, when a limper re-raises for, you know, and they are kind of deep stack, I'm very concerned. A lot of times it's aces, kings, and stuff like that. But when it's a short stack, a lot it's a lot of times it's just somebody wanting to, uh, you know, gamble and get their stack up. So I snap call, and he has ace five uh, suited, and it runs out that I'm good. You seem to be so good at reading these live reads like that. Which is weird, because I put no stock in live reads, but yeah, I'd, like on stuff like that, I didn't... Or maybe not, I mean, I concerned. call it live read, but maybe like live like live poker, like their actions and stuff. Yeah. You seem to be always pretty much right on the money with that. Like the same with when someone jams a crazy amount, like you say, well, not the nuts, because the nuts would want value and make a hero call and, and write a lot of the time. Yeah, I found that to be pretty reliable, yeah. Yeah, that was one that has helped me, too, hero call sometimes. But this is another one that, I mean, talk about being right on the money. So that's good. I mean, good read. Well, I was glad. I was, I'm not always right on the money. I was, was this time, <laughs> so I will take that. I was glad I was this time. Uh, but another one is I raise pocket kings. I then get three bet. And then get jam- and then get jammed over, uh, that person. It was a very weird spot. I'm not certain if I played this correctly. It was a because uh, that person who jammed had like, I think I had like 500. The person who jammed. Mm, no, I think I could have min raised. I might have had a little bit. I might have had a little bit more than that. Uh, but he jams for like 285. I wanted the other guy in there, but I was like, well, I can't. I, I remember I couldn't raise it enough where it made sense. Like a min raise would have put me just like like 100 or 200 behind. So I jammed behind, and then the guy folds. The guy who three-bet me said he had queens. Like I always say, this is like playing like 1-3 and all that. Whenever people say that they were bluffing, I literally never believe unless I see the cards. I agree with that 100%. Because I feel like a lot of people want to bluff but don't have the the heart to do it. Um, so they just say that they were bluffing and literally always nutted. Oh. This, I think, the exact same thing. I think that guy had ace-jack probably and was just something like that. That or makes king, a lot queen, of sense. Or king-queen you know, or maybe even a pocket pair because he was three-betting a lot. Um, I'm not buying this story even for a second, so... That's you, what your your read here is probably correct. I mean, I'm not certain he's actually folding queens there, uh, which I don't even know if he should be. Right? I mean, I guess if he knew your exact holding, but you're also doing this with ace king. I don't know. Well, I mean, once he gets four bet and a call, I think he should. I think queens are just never. Well, good I guess there. I, yeah, I guess that guy was pretty deep, but just in general, I just don't think he's folding queens there. So uh, maybe maybe not, or at least I think. Well, I don't know if you want to fold him face up in case you're wrong. One hundred percent. Because then you look like a big duh. Uh, this was the only really interesting hand. That same guy. What happened in this hand? Oh, the pocket kings held up. I don't. I don't even remember what I was up against. I, no, I think I was up against Ace King or something. 
Yeah, you were, but I was just... <laughs> yeah, just yeah. Like a... well, weird uh, to, to go over this hand and not even give any result of what happened. It was really the kind of the being at a weird sizing for the four bet where I was kind of like, what do I do here? But let's go back to that, though, just for a second. Um, I do like the four bet there, though. Just on just poker principle. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, kind of... That was kind of my thought. I think you were, I don't want to say kicking yourself or, you know, kind of second guessing yourself, but I like just keeping that strategy just, I don't want to say basic, but just not really deviating from good strategy on that. Well, okay. My thought process in this, okay, like I made it like, I think 15, he made it 60 and then the person makes it 285 was if I call 285 and I get hit, he calls and I get his money in there, then... At that point, I'm basically just, you know, praying there's no ace and basically jamming every flop. And I uh, have his money in there at when he's probably pretty far behind. Uh, so, I mean, that was kind of my thought process versus when I jam. I mean, there's I never have a bluff here when I jam. I mean, I've now been three bet and four bet all in. There's no bluff. I mean, the guy can't fold who four, who, who four bet jammed. So that was kind of my thought is if I just call there, well, then he calls that 285. One, as I look a little bit weaker for kings and aces, he calls there. I have odds against him, obviously, and then I could jam the flop. Now, the bad side to that is, you know, I lose some. I mean, he has some equity no matter what he has. That's what I was about to say, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I like playing it just – the basic way, but you're definitely selling me on that way as well. I could see it being either way, but I had no qualms with how you played it there. So, yeah, it's a, uh, so I don't know. It's, I, I think it's one of those arguments could probably be made for either way. No, like, like I said, both I think are valid, but I like the four bet there just personally, but I'm, I wouldn't have been, Eh, I don't know if I would be mad at you or not, but if you only called, <laughs> but yeah, it's a, uh, but yeah, I mean, so it is what it is. So okay, well, this one is a much more interesting hand against that same player who uh, three bet on there. Is I have three four of spades, and it comes around to me, and I'm on the button. This I think is a very very legitimate raise from the button with three four of spades. I bet fifteen. I get three bet from the, from him in the big blind on for forty five. Now, I think he's someone who at least knows poker a little bit, and I think he could put me let I am weak, which I am on the button with a three four suited. Uh, I, but I feel like I got some pretty good implied odds where we were both pretty deep, and I was like, well comes like three four and he's got pocket aces or something this could get very profitable for me i decide i'm not going to call this every time i decide to make this call here i'm 30 to win 60 and i got some implied odds i went ahead and took it the flop is ace deuce eight with two spades giving me a straight draw a gutter ball to a straight a flush draw and a five of spades makes a uh, straight flush Obviously, 100% of my range, I'm going to check to him as a three-better. He bets 30. I thought you were on the button. You're right. 100% you correct. Uh, he leads out 30. And I saw this, and I was thinking that this 
um, I, just in my head, I was thinking this was someone who was. I was thinking blocker bet at the in the in the moment. I also didn't really watch the hand that much because I was you know doing whatever I was doing at the table. But to me, that that screen blocker bet. Yeah, I mean it's a third. It's a third bet, which is a, a third. Which I mean is basically the standard three bet sizing, right? No, no, it is. But I just that's what I thought. Just my live read. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, that's just kind of what you thought yeah, it was. Okay. Yeah. Because you got to think when I'm at the table, this is when I tuned in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, I'm assuming that you this is a mandatory raise, right? Oh, I love the raise. Okay, I was like, well, I mean, you're you've got no shot on value with four high, and I mean, you have a ton of equity if called. So if you could take it down, you definitely take it down with four high, and if not, then it's not it's not that bad either. Uh, I raise to uh, one hundred. Normally I'd go ninety or whatever, but I just make it an even hundred. He kind of tank folds, I, and he says he had an ace, which I actually think he de- does there. Oh yeah, no, I think he. I mean, I loved how that was played. So. So that was that yeah, was a very I thought that was a fairly interesting hand. I thought you were attacking his small bet sizing whenever I saw you raise at first. I mean, I'm never doing that because people do that all the time to me, and I love it because I bet that third pot and everybody seems to attack that, and I do it when I have hands and when I don't, and when I have hands, it just seems to be so profitable. I mean, he looked super bummed when you raised, so I liked it. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I thought it was good. I mean, yeah, it's a. Uh, so I have another. I don't know why. Why I'm still with three four suited on all these hands, but straddle to six. I over limp with three four of hearts. Flop two three seven one heart. I'm like, not everybody have, will have a seven here. I go ahead and bet twenty five. I get two calls. Not what I was hoping for. Uh, turn is a nine. It checks all the way through. It was turn is a nine of diamonds and the river is a four of diamonds, completing a backdoor flush, but giving me two play two pair. I bet thirty for kind of thin value, which coming I mean, is a very straightening board. Uh, and the backdoor flush did get there. He I get raised to a hundred, and I think this is a perfect bet fold scenario. I think you get called by worse, and anything that raises has you beat. Mm, that's a uh, very well played hand. So okay, yeah, yeah it's that's a good analysis of that. Yeah, it's a uh, so I end up a uh, end up uh, for think, a profit of two fifty five on this session. I think sometimes I'd be tempted to call depending on the player that bet, but um, I was I, I did tank for a while, but I'm just like, can you go over the board for me one more time? Yeah, it's a I have three four of hearts. The flop is two three seven. The turn is a nine of diamonds, and the river's a four of diamonds. So there are multiple straights out there. It's a, uh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I'm getting the, more and more tempted to call as you explain the hand. I mean, the the chances. <laughs> I mean, the chances that I bet and just people will when check to they already rarely bluff the bluff a river just a stone cold bluff. Uh, you betting and them re and them re raising as yeah. a bluff is almost never. Yeah, a, you're right. You're a, right. Uh, bluff. Yeah, you're right. I, I agree. You sold me back on it because I started trying to veer away. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't like in the in the moment. I mean, it was two pair, and when your hand improves on the river, you know, for whatever reason, you just 
it, it's hard it's hard to talk yourself into they have a better hand. But the more after that's one that after I was more and more sure that was a good fold. Obviously, he never said or indicated anything that he had. It didn't show. He never gave me any information whatsoever. And I did see he was a fairly aggressive player too. But I just think, in I mean, whether that's right or wrong in the long run, that's just an easy fold. Yeah, I mean, these people just do not understand the way of a podcast. I need to know what they have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, turn it over for me. I at least can <laughs> makes for a much better podcast. I, I can tell exactly. Yeah. So I end up uh, making two fifty five on that uh, session, and then I go and play today, and I get slaughtered. I mean, put it this way: you you text me if I wanted to play. I was like, uh, not today. I'm not going to play today. And then, like an hour and a half, two hours later, you're calling me from the parking lot, and I was like. Winners don't call for the parking lot an hour and a half into a session. They do not. And this <laughs> dude was not a winner. Uh, it wasn't a, like a lot of bad play by me. It was just uh, it was just kind of cooler type hands. Uh, I raise ace nine of clubs to, 50, uh, to 15 and three call, and I get a nine high flop rainbow. I bet 20, and there's one call. The turn is a jack, and I think this is one that like people will get scared. But there's no reason someone should have a jack here usually, and that it randomly hits them. I bet sixty five and get a call. The river's a ten. I mean, now I mean it's not been great because sometimes they will have a jack, and I don't know. I mean, nothing's great happened out of this hand when two overs come to my top pair. <laughs> uh, it goes check check, and she has ace jack. Oh, so mm. everything I said about your good reads before. Forget about it. Yeah, or garbage. <laughs> uh, I end up uh, flopping a set in Omaha, and then with one all-in player, uh, and they both hit a flush on me. The both the uh, the all-in player and the player that was betting on the side uh, didn't lose that much. Uh, I bet sixty-five on the flop, but it was such a shit run out that we uh, they checked all the way down. Because he only had a 10 high flush. And, I mean, I don't know what I could have called anyways. Uh, I have pocket jacks. Let me see. I call. He raised 15. Oh, this. Uh, so, I have pocket jacks. There's a $6 straddle. And I haven't acted yet. And the player to my left makes it 15. Ooh, I love this. Yeah. I'm just flatting the... Well, no, no, I'm just calling. I just call the six. He makes it 15. That goes around to the guy who straddled. He calls 15. Wait, only two people called? Only there were, There's only 30 in there? There's no one else calling in between? No one else calling in between. That's disappointing. But, okay, I'm making a big three bet here, exploitatively. I make it 60. Yeah, I like that. That's good. I like yeah. that. Uh, the preflop razor calls... The other guy folds. Flop is ace nine five. Ace hits my range probably a little bit better. Right, yeah, you can't be scared of any of that. So I still think I like a nice down bet here. Yeah, I bet fifty, and he calls. Now I think you should be betting this ace, but I also think that once you bet and you get called, you're done because the ace looks like it hits you so hard that most people are not calling that unless they actually have an ace. Uh, do you agree? Oh, 100%. Okay. Uh, 
the turn is a nine. It goes check, check. The river is a nine. I check, he bets 70. We're kind of done here, right? You know what? I just said that on the flop. It's a, uh, and this... then I, and then I call here. Uh, you know what? It was one of those that he did check the turn and I was wondering if he would be checking the turn with an ace here and I was getting just monster odds and I ended up calling 70 and he has ace jack. So what I said was right. I just didn't follow it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, everyone's been there. Yeah, it was, uh. Well, at, at that point, I think it was 70 to win 340. And with him checking the turn, I mean, I was a little suspicious. I mean, I got full house, nine full of jacks, because it went nine. I mean, it was a flop nine, and it goes turn nine, river nine. So, yeah, it was one of those that I don't know what I'm trying to beat here. He just, he, I think he did a good job bet sizing here. I mean, like I always say, the best way to get value from you is giving you great odds, and you know you're not going to win, and just call anyway. I mean, it's... I don't even know if it's a leak in my game, because sometimes I will win those those uh, deals, but I'll tell you what, uh, there's a lot that I don't, so it might be a leak. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, as long as you're getting the right odds, I guess, right? But... It uh, it does feel weird. Remember, like that was like the same with me last week. Whenever I raised that st- or bet that straight so big, and then he just made it two hundred more to win twelve hundred. I'm like, wow. I get. I mean, obviously, I'm gonna lose, but here goes. A t- I'm about to be two hundred more dollars poorer, and here it goes. Yeah, kind of the same thing. I think with a seventy five. Very. Uh, I mean, it's very tough when you're kind of in that when you're getting those crazy odds, and then you almost know you're never good at the same time. Uh, then another one, uh, someone, uh, raises pre-flop. I have ace nine suited. I make the call flop an ace and he has ace queen. Uh, I mean, yeah, just, I mean, that's basically the whole, just kicker issues. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, it actually lost the minimum there. He did river two pair and then checked one street. So it was actually a pretty, I thought it was pretty well played to only give him one street of value and a. You know, when we both have an ace and he has a me on the kicker. I mean, this kind of goes back to last week when I fast played that straight. I still like going for value when you can just all the time. I mean, hoping that someone else bets your hand for you at 1-3, I just don't like that at all. For, yeah, as 100%. This guy, I'm, yeah. I'm talking about from this guy with the Rivers ace-queen here. Oh, 100%. Because if he bets, I think I have to call the way this is played. 100%. But yeah. I'm just saying just in general, just – kind of just general rule of thumb and and one three one two that um hoping that other people bet their hands you can raise i just don't like that a hundred yeah 100 percent. that's a uh well and i think this changes as you go up in stakes but one three one two like a lot of people don't even have bluffs in their range so they're never bluffing anyways uh now as you get like two five five ten where they recognize good bluff spots maybe you kind of check a little bit more. But I think just going, like you say, just betting your hand straight up is probably the way to just print money in, sm- in small stakes. I 100% agree. Jack-Jack, uh, I raise to 15. Uh, get multiple callers. The flop is 10 high. I bet 25, get a call. He checks ter- ter- turn. I bet 
I go all in for my last hundred. He calls and he has Queen Ten and Rivers a ten. Oh God. So I mean it was just a kind of a brutal session. Like I don't think the play I mean, and I think it's very important to separate bad play from bad luck. Um, most of this I think was just one of those that a lot of hands played themselves and it just was not gonna be my day to win. I try to be honest when I play badly and you know, it's like I could have really done a lot better. Most of these, I think it was just there was one bomb pot I miss might have misplayed. I might have been able to get away from, but even that was pretty close. Uh, but all the others are, you know, they just kind of play themselves. And you know, you get a good hand to someone's slightly better hand. It kind of is what it is. Here's something we can close the podcast on, but it's kind of an interesting topic slash thought. Something that I've been exploitatively folding to, which this is going to probably sound like a no-brainer, but see what your thoughts are on this. Um, whenever I raise preflop and I have like the basic, basically the stereotypical old man coffee ahead of me, like out of one of the blinds or something, uh-huh. or a rec player, whenever they donk into me, because like you said, they have no bluffs. They have, it's basically their hand. It's the only thing they're focused on. Wait, okay, so when you raise preflop and they donk into you. I'm just folding just so much of my range here. I mean, just almost everything except for just super nutted hands or drawing to super nutted hands. I mean, basically no light floats even really given the odds. Uh, I think agreed. I mean, on this. Because when they donk into you, on most flops, you're going to have a range advantage. Because if you're the preflop raiser, you have aces, you have kings, you have queens, you have a lot of the big Broadway cards that are suited. So I think you can exploitatively fold here because there's going to be enough times where they donk into you when you do have a strong hand that you can fold your kind of minuscule hands and you just kind of more or less play it straight up when you have the strong hand. (laughs) It's funny. What I did also exploitatively um, when someone donks into me is like min raise. Is you min raise? Yeah, like, I mean, just over min raise, but to really rope them in there. I can see that. I and mean, that's kind of where I think you're like, you can exploitatively fold because you're going to get value on some of this other stuff like that. But I was just kind of thinking, I mean, I'd really been adopting that these last few sessions. Here's a question is like, in the same sense, like, say someone is a donking into you, what do you think about like raising your like decent draws there? Like, versus old man coffee situation? Well, my thoughts are I don't think a lot of people are just going to lead out donk to you with, like, a lot of sets. I think you're going to get a lot of top pairs and stuff like that that are going to be kind of weak versus your raising range. I kind of wonder, like, if you put a lot of pressure on, like, with uh, draws, if you're going to get... If you get a lot, I think you could get quite a few folds because I think the super strong hands are going to check from old man coffee, like sets and stuff, right? I don't know. I've just been folding. Well, I mean, <laughs> no, I you probably don't have, I mean, you probably didn't have any of those monster draws or anything. But yeah, that was kind of something I was thinking about. I mean, very specific situation. But my thought, though, on like raising the monster draws versus like wreck player who is so confident in their hand that they donk out into you or. Old man coffee or rec player is a little bit different, right? Like someone who's a super beginner is I don't think they're folding to a raise. I think they think their hand is so good that 99% of their range, their their hands are checking every time, no matter what, either they're trapping or they don't want, you know, you know, when you first start playing poker, how passive you are. 
Dang. So I think if you raise big on that person, you're going to be snap called by nut. I mean, very nutted hands. But Old well, Man Coffee, I, mean, I could see that working. Well, yeah. Well, my thing was like top pair, like not that great kicker was what I was targeting. Super nutted hands definitely are calling you. And then you're right as far as if it's a rec player who's just going to play top pair, who's never letting go a top pair, then you have zero fold equity. Then, yeah, that's a read. I mean, all you're doing is getting money with your a dog. So, yeah, 100%. And here's the thing with those rec players is, like, you can raise telling them that you have better than top pair, but they don't know. <laughs> they don't know what that means. That's right? true. Right? And they think top pair three kicker is sweet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So there's going to, like you said, I remember back um, maybe a year or two ago whenever I would try to bluff these players and they just never fold. Yeah. Even though it seemed like such an obvious fold with given their hand. Right. I think it might be one of those situations with the draw. That's probably a solid point. I mean, June, on that note, <laughs> you got anything? I don't have anything. That seems like a, <laughs> that seems like that a perfect seems like ending. A, yeah, it seems like a good ending to the podcast. <laughs> this concludes the Tex Poker Podcast. We'll talk to you next week. That was the Texas Poker Podcast. Go ahead and rack up. Add time, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>